Hi, this is Jeff Kober, and we welcome you to this Disney Insights Podcast. Well, you see it all the time. Headlines that say attendance is down at Walt Disney World or Universal's Epic Universe. It's going to take away all the business from Disney. Well, is it? We have a strong sense of how parks are faring after the pandemic. Now that TIA, Themed Entertainment Association, and ACOM, Architecture, Engineering, Construction, Operations, and Management, has released its Global Attraction Attendance Report for 2022, last year's, last year's numbers. From this, we can begin to read the tea leaves, get it, <clears throat> as to how these parks are faring. There are a number of surprises, not just among parks in Florida, but in California and internationally. Plus, we look at astonishing numbers for water parks, especially at Disney. Join us as we examine the theme park index report of 2022 to see how theme parks are really faring and where they are going in 2023 and ahead in 2024. You're going to want to check uh, DisneyInsights.com because we're going to um, showcase these listings from, um, from the report. And I will say that most of how I read this is my own opinion. It's not that I have any particular insight, but my experience is at looking at these numbers for so many years kind of gives me a sense of where things are going and how things are turning out. I should also mention that TNACOM AECOM, offered the numbers both internationally and domestically ranked based on their 2019 ranking. In other words, they put everything in a ranked list based on how they did in 2019 and then showed the contrast to 2022. I've also added a grid, which just simply goes ahead and makes a simple 2022 ranking as the other can be confusing as to how parks are really doing now. Both are listed in DisneyInsights.com. We should also note that while this report is highly reputable in the in the industry they don't always get their numbers firsthand it's in the park's best interest to share those numbers because it gives them a better sense of how they are competing and whether they should do things differently and competing with others but again that doesn't necessarily mean they share all their numbers and so tia spends a lot of time trying to read the tea leaves as i will do here Let's start with, um, with Florida. And that begins with um, number one. Number one now and probably forevermore is Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World. Disney may not be able to keep all four of its parks above its competitors as it has traditionally much of the past, but adding to the capacity at Magic Kingdom will assure that its flagship park is way ahead of everyone else. It is still nearly 7 million above its universal competitors. So this year, it, it did 17, a little above 17 million in business. Back in 2019, it had done 20 million. That was its record before the pandemic. But as you see, after Magic Kingdom and Disneyland, 
there is a major jump behind in all other parks, including Disney parks. Magic Kingdom is so above most of the parks. And in fact, much of the parks that we'll talk about are really faring somewhere between, um, bet- well, under under 12,000 sh- or 12,000 and under for sure. Um, despite disappointment by the most loyal Disney fans that there wasn't more happening, and while shy by 3 million compared to 2019, many were attracted to the 50th anniversary of the park. Now, mind you, if there had been no pandemic, that 20 million number in 2019 should have gone to 23 million. And so seeing a 2022 number of 17 million is disappointing, but again, it's still big time number one. So after the Magic Kingdom, what else is happening in Florida? Well. Disney's Hollywood Studios holds the strongest of the Walt Disney World parks after the Magic Kingdom, but it is weak compared to Islands of Adventure, which last year premiered a big Velocicoaster ride, and just before that, a fairly new Hagrid's Magical Creatures motorbike adventure in 2019. So it, it did comparatively far better in that sense. It did um, 11 million, a little over 11 million at Islands of Adventure and at Disney's Hollywood Studios, they did almost 11 million. Not a big gap between the two, but usually Hollywood Studios has been ahead of Universal Studios, as has Epcot, as has Animal Kingdom. That's been the tradition. It's been an upset um, cart uh, in, in, in the last few years and no differently in this last year. The fact that Epcot's numbers are the way they are is because it was caught between two new attractions, Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind, which opened late in May 2022, and Ratatouille, which opened months before that on October 1st, 2021. But at the same time, it's still in unending construction. I really believe that it would have fared far better if the other Well, if this world celebration in the center of what was formerly Future World, if it had all been in place, I think Epcot would have done uh, much better. And even Universal Studios Florida did better than Epcot, despite no real new attractions. That said, the numbers at Universal Studios Florida are soft compared to four years ago. So what's happened is um, Universal Studios Florida came in at 10, well, 10,750,000 compared to 10,900,000 plus thousand in 2019. Epcot came in at 10 million, less than USF, and far less than what it had done in 2019, which is 12 and a half million. That's a big, that's a big flag that Epcot, despite having a great roller coaster, still fared poorly compared to its 2019 numbers. And and it's a concern for sure. Even a bigger concern is Disney's Animal Kingdom, which in 2019 had nearly 14 million uh, in attendance. And yet um, this year had barely over 
well, if, or I'm sorry, in 2022, had barely over 9 million. That suggests that new attractions are needed immediately for that park. Rumors around Moana and Zootopia replacing Dinoland continue to surface in the blogosphere. I really think they're moving in that direction. They need to. They need more water attractions and they need anything with air conditioning at Disney's Animal Kingdom. It's too insufferable during the summer months. Uh, this time of year, it's just too hard to really make that an enjoyable park. The rest of the year, beautiful, wonderful to be outside. Summer, miserable. They need more serious attractions where you're either getting wet, mistied, or air-conditioned. One of those two things. Now, elsewhere in Florida, SeaWorld and Bush Gardens, though not making the top 25 international lists or global lists, SeaWorld Parks and Entertainment, you know, they're considered a major park contributor after Disney, Universal, Cedar Fair, which owned Knots, and Six Flags. Domestically, Bush was number 12 in the domestic numbers with 4 million and SeaWorld Orlando held at 4.5 million. So that gives you a sense of where the numbers are right now in Florida. Here's the million dollar question. Will Universal's Epic Universe raise up attendance at its two earlier constructed sister parks, or is it going to rob attendance from those parks when it opens? Key to Universal's success is the number of people who buy a one-day two-part ticket. I ask people all the time who say they're going to get, take a day and go to Universal. When they say, I, I'm going, we're taking one day out of our Disney time and go to Universal, I ask them the question, what kind of ticket are you getting? And almost all the time they say, we are getting a two-park, one-day ticket, meaning they want to see Harry Potter. And in order to do that, they need to go to both parks. So they're going to buy one day, two. Well, that counts for two park entrances. And that's really what helps move Universal's numbers much, much higher. And uh, so if they compete well against this, I mean, I'm not saying that there aren't folks who are doing park hopping between Epcot and the studios or Animal Kingdom and Magic. That's all happening, but not to the level that they are doing it at Universal. So when they go to a three-park scenario, and I'm not even counting Volcano Bay, we'll talk about that later. When they go there, will they, will guests be getting a one-day three-park ticket? Or will they now move to a two-day three-park ticket? Doesn't matter. Either way, they're going to get counted for three parks, right? That will help move the numbers across the board. Will they be able to add numbers quickly upward? when guests from the Orlando Convention Center, which is right next to where Epic Universe is being built, when they converge during the last couple hours of the day for an evening event, will that help tear up Epic Universe's numbers? Now, mind you, the same thing happens over at Epcot. Lots of folks join in at the last part of the day. That's why you have World Showplace and other venues, which caters to groups, and then they bring them out to World Showcase Lagoon for whatever fireworks event is happening, which by the way, may also say something going back to Epcot and it's very softened attendance last year. 
clearly it doesn't appear that from the surface it doesn't appear that people were were converging on harmonious to end their evening which was a tradition that was happening very much with illuminations they might have spent their day earlier um, at Animal Kingdom or studios, but by evening they kind of came over to Epcot. And I'm not certain that that was really the draw it needed to be, which may have, may be the explanation why Epcot has to pull away from, uh, has to pull away from being a, um, a leader for 2022. It's, it just didn't have that kind of venue. Also, I should mention that Disney's Hollywood Studios which did do better than the other two parks, Animal Kingdom and Epcot, they didn't have Fantasmic until the latter half of the year, which I think also cost them from having bigger numbers. Mind you, Hollywood Studios should have had great attendance because of their Star Wars editions and also previously their Toy Story Land. But I don't think they got as much bang out of the buck because they didn't have a strong nighttime venue. And all of these factors coming together, of course, Animal Kingdom has barely any nighttime offering, um, having gotten rid of their previous nighttime event. So all those kinds of things work against you and cause for you to cause less park hopping for Disney, which means more ticks on the number of people attending each of the parks. It just adds um, to a softer attendance. Disney loves park hopping, by the way, because if you can, if you park two, if you park hop two or three times in a day, that's three ticks on a theme park rather than one tick, and that means your attendance numbers look better. Doesn't mean your financials may look better. In fact, it may rob on your financials, maybe even your per caps, but it does mean that uh, your attendance numbers are going to improve in that regard. So that's kind of the issues with with what's happening in Florida. Epic Universe is a big question. Do I think that Epic Universe is going to take away from the Magic Kingdom? Not so much, but I do think that Animal Kingdom and Epcot need to step it up. And I do not think Moana in and of itself is going to be enough of a step up. It's a disappointing thing because there were so many things offered back in the, what was it, the 2019 um, D23 event, but what was coming to Walt Disney World, so many of those things fell by the wayside. I just wonder if they were all up and running right now, if they wouldn't all be in a much stronger position. You have to keep reinventing yourself. Animal Kingdom's avatar is fantastic, so fantastic they've announced one for Disneyland, but that now has become a 2017 attraction, if I'm adding right. That's, a, that's, a, that's six years ago. And they need to have something new, something major in those, in those parks to keep attendance moving toward them. All right, with that, let's go out to California. When I said Magic Kingdom, was number one globally. Well, Disneyland Park at Disneyland Resort, that is number two globally and not very far underneath um, Magic Kingdom. It was at 16, well, almost at 17 million, 16 million 881 thousand. In 2019, it was 18 million uh, 656. 
So it had softened a little from their 2019 numbers still, but considering they were still slower to get out the gate from the pandemic, those are pretty good numbers. And it's, and there's less of a gap between the 22 numbers and the 19 numbers than there are between the Magic Kingdom's numbers of 22 and 19, which is a is a basically nearly a um, nearly a four million uh, gap between the two. So, like Magic Kingdom, it is um, nearly um, five million ahead of the next one, which we're going to talk from the number three listing, which we'll talk about in a minute. So those two parks are way ahead. But Disney California Adventure was softer than four years ago, even though they opened up a new Avenger campus. Adding an avatar that, in fact, let's just say this about California Adventure. It was at nine million for this year. Whereas in 2019, um, if I can find California Adventure, well, 2019, it was higher at 9,861. 9, not a big gap. I think Avengers Campus did help to not um, have such a gap between 22 and 2019. But 9 million compared to, again, um, Disneyland Park at, six, at nearly 17 million. That's that's nearly an eight million, uh, eight million more people going to Disneyland than Disney California Adventure. Now, mind you, so many of those are annual park pass holders, and they're just saying they're coming back, they're coming back, they're coming back, and that almost says to me, well, probably five times uh, or three, um, probably, um, probably about four times out of seven. They're uh, maybe three times out of five, they're coming to Disneyland and two times out of five, they're coming. They're just coming to Disney California Adventure less is what that means. Now, of course, adding a new Avatar Land, um, which probably will go in Disneyland that hasn't been defined yet, um, but that's going to help support, um, well, help boost numbers no matter where it lands in either park. Um, and then there's their future expansion plans, which we probably won't see for another Oh, I would say another seven, eight years at best. But um, but Disneyland is doing very well at number two. And again, far ahead than other parks. Universal Studios Hollywood was, um, was their attendance was far less four years ago. Um, but it has been, but should be buoyed up by the fact that they opened up Super Nintendo at the beginning of this year. So it doesn't affect their 22 numbers, but their 23 numbers ought to come in pretty pretty strong. Um, Universal Studios Florida came in number seven um, under Hollywood Studios, under um, Islands of Adventure. Um, but also out in California, SeaWorld San Diego did about 3.5 million. Knott's Berry Farm doing about 3.9 million. Uh, the former is comparable to four years ago, but Knott's is much softer and could use a new family attraction for its park. 
Um, they don't even show up in the global top 25 because of those numbers, but, um, but they do show up domestically. Now, international, this is where things get really interesting because we said Magic Kingdom is number one and Disneyland Park is um, number two, but number three is not... Tokyo Disneyland or Tokyo Disney Sea. It is Universal Studios Japan. It did it did better with its new Super Nintendo experience. It did slightly better attendance wise than with its Super Nintendo experience than Tokyo Disneyland. Now, mind you, Tokyo Disneyland has been investing in new attractions such as Enchanted Tale of Beauty and the Beast. Very amazing that whole Fantasyland edition which came out in about 2019. But what what took uh, Japan by storm last year was that Super Nintendo experience. Got a lot of super press, a lot of people wanting to come um, internationally to visit the park, which wasn't uh, doable for most of the year because of um, the still pandemic restrictions. Um, we should say, so we understand, that park did 12,350,000. So it's a big gap from... Disneyland's nearly 17 million and Magic Kingdom, which is over 17 million. Then you jump down to 12 and 12,350,000 for Universal Studios Japan. And underneath it is 12 million at Tokyo Disneyland. Tokyo D Disney Sea kind of, kind of was a soft, I mean, mind you, in 2019, Tokyo Disneyland and Tokyo Disney Sea were third and fourth after Magic Kingdom and Disneyland. This year, Tokyo Disneyland was fourth and Tokyo Disney Sea was eighth in attendance globally. The challenge with Tokyo Disney Sea is that the back half of the park is under major construction with Fantasy Springs and an attached hotel. So that may have softened their attendance. Also, people still wanting to go see Enchanted Tale of Beauty and the Beast or the new Fantasyland. The great news is that the... Um, so that's, the, that's kind of the challenge, is that it's under major construction. The great news is, is that the back half of the park is under major construction. And when those things come, they are going to soar attendance-wise. That's not expected, I believe, until sometime next year, I'm not sure exactly when, so it's not gonna affect 23 numbers by any chance. The challenge with Tokyo is in order to create a better experience for guests, um, and we're talking about the Tokyo Disney experience, that they have determined that in order to create a better experience for guests, they plan to cap their peak attendance. Now back in, in 2019, if you took their two parks, put it together, you had about 33 million. By 2025, they want to move to 75% of that number. This is astonishing that one of two of the most successful parks, they are being very intentional about moving the number of guests in the park down, which makes me a little concerned because international guests come way back behind Japanese guests and their attendance. It may also speak to the fact that they have removed, and this is a big thing that may have affected their attendance as well. They have really, for all intents and purposes, removed what has been their traditional annual pass uh, program. 
that has caused a lot of plummeting in their numbers and um and that's not going to change that's part of that's a big part of their strategy to get it down to 75 percent of that original 33 million in 2019. so lots going on at tokyo big investment on new attractions new hotels new offerings they also opened up a toy story hotel just recently but uh but their intent is to actually go down on numbers Shanghai Disney's numbers have plummeted by 38%, being very slow. In fact, they don't even show up in the in the in the top half. Well, they did. Um, they did. They were number 10 in 2019. Now they're not even in the top half in 2022. But their situation is really about the pandemic, which continued to close its gates. Chimelong, um, Chimelong. Uh, Ocean Kingdom also plummeted by 41% in the pandemic. So what was um, Shanghai's numbers last year were only a little above 5 million. Um, they have really taken a hit. Now, the saving grace for Shanghai is that Zootopia is coming soon. And by the way, I don't know if you noticed, but in celebrating their anniversary this last week, both Josh Diomaro and... Bob Iger were out at Shanghai Disney, probably inspecting the Zootopia and its situation, probably thinking, probably making a consideration should Zootopia come to Disney Animal Kingdom based on what they're viewing, because it's probably going to be very comparable um, to to the one they're building. It's more of a skyline uh, look on the exterior in Shanghai. I would prefer, because there are different biomes in Zootopia, I'd prefer something that was maybe more of a I don't know, a rainforest biome or something. Could it be all under glass and cool? Because heaven knows you need more air conditioning. So, but I doubt that they'll probably just make a, a one that is just completely like the one in Shanghai. Hong Kong also suffered this last year from a prolonged pandemic, but its attendance is more than twice um, than Ocean Park in Hong Kong, which used to rival Hong Kong Disneyland and its attendance. Moreover, its saving grace is the opening of its frozen land before the end of the year. If you haven't seen images of this, construction photos, it is impressive. And it is going into Disneyland Paris as well as, um, um, where else? It is, oh, well, of course, part of Disney Springs or Fantasy Springs. Fantasy Springs at Tokyo Disney Sea will include a frozen element, a Rapunzel element and a Peter Pan element, uh, so that's kind of that's kind of what's going on there, and uh, and it's very promising what you can see in the uh, the uh, construction photos. The problem is Frozen and Zootopia are not coming fast enough to save attendance numbers for this year in 2023. Disneyland Paris last year had its biggest year on record perhaps helped by the park's 30th anniversary, a new Avengers campus that came in the later part of summer, and a beautiful Marvel-themed hotel or upgrade to the New York Hotel. Record attendance was also found at Walt Disney Studios Paris, but only by about 100,000 more than what they had in 2019. It should have probably been helped a little bit more by the Avengers campus. We'll see what a full year in 2023 does 
for uh, the Disney Studios Paris. They're also adding, again, a Frozen Land and other things. Uh, um, they need much more to really bring up those numbers substantially. At um, They need to bring it up by, by 50% over at Disneyland Paris. Now, I have to say that when I was there last summer, despite the fact that Small World and Hyperspace Mountain, which actually opened, I think, the day after I left. Um, well, those attractions weren't open for me. Everything else was open. Well, 20K wasn't either, but everything else was open. It looked beautiful. There was, there was just this really great feeling in the park. Something has soured because uh, uh, disappointing is apparently this summer with Disneyland Paris, where cast members know that if you understand this correctly, most, I mean like 80, 75, 80% of their attendance happens between June and August, the first of June and the end of August. Summer is everything in Europe and that's when they get a ton of guests. David Zanola is there right now. He himself, who has been internationally this to every park and this is his last park that he's ever visited. He's not been to Disneyland Paris before. He's there for the first time. He is overwhelmed by the crowds that are there. They are huge. He said that he was talking to someone who comes repeatedly to Disneyland Paris. And that guy said that he's never seen crowds so bad as they have been um, this last week at Disneyland Paris. It's not going to get better next year because the Olympics are coming to Paris. And that is going to just escalate numbers again in Disneyland Paris's favor. But the problem is, is cast members, if they're going to strike... You strike when you're in the busiest part of the season, and that's exactly what's been happening these last couple of of weeks. They have been not just striking, but maybe phoning in and maybe phoning it in because David's experience with guest service has been declined. I saw images from David Keenig, a colleague from Mouse Planet, who showed pictures of the cars spinner type ride with most of the cars not even working a lot of attractions down others under rehab it's it's very dis different experience this summer than what i saw last year now i've seen disappointing years at disneyland paris when i first went there in 2000 and then did business there in 2005 but i thought last year was a 180 degree turn from what was before and yet it, it has been a disappointing week this summer. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they fare this year. Now, we've covered uh, international, California, and of course, Florida. I want to talk about water parks, particularly in Florida. Weather has largely supported the water park business in Florida over the last year. But there are still storms, and I'm not referring to Storm Long Bay. Disney's Typhoon Lagoon has always led the pack along with Blizzard Beach. It did so in, in uh, 2019 with 2,248,000 people. That number shrank to 1.9 million in 2022. In 2019, Blizzard led a close second with nearly 2 million, just under that, while Volcano Bay, brand new, was close behind with 1.8 million. 
Volcano Bay's number this year is about the same as it was in 2022. It's it's leveled out pretty much to what it was back in 2019. But Blizzard was closed most of the year and only had, last year, 101,000 guests. 101,000 guests compared to nearly two, um, nearly 2 million four years ago. That is... That's a red flag above all red flags. Now, part of that closure was due to construction on the slides in the back half of the park. Um, and coming off of the pandemic, which people are a little queasy about the water park kind of experience uh, if with COVID, but still, that's a frightening drop. SeaWorlds, Aquatica, saw roughly the same numbers of 1.5 million in both 2019 and 22. Uh, the way, now, we have to recognize the way Universal and SeaWorld packages those water park options are what keeps them steady. Still, this is Disney's biggest drop since um, since each other's, um, since each other has chosen. What, what used to happen in the water parks is they would both be open year-round, except they would take turns in the fall and late winter with maybe a couple of months of closure. So that gave them a chance to kind of clean up pools, drain them, clean things up, and get reopened. But by and large, they were both open year-round. And now, and right now, the same thing is happening. Right now, Blizzard is is closed and, and Typhoon is open. So there is there is just a lot to be concerned with as it relates to um, the water parks and what's happening uh, I, I, at Disney. I really think, well, one of the thoughts I had is I used to say the Disney water parks are your vacation away from your vacation. I mean, it, it, it could be that maybe the, the cruise line especially with the new Disney Wish, are stealing customers away who are saying, hey, rather than spend an extra day at the Disney water parks, we're going to go take a, a land sea cruise and head on the Disney Cruise Line. And so that may be their vacation from their vacation. And that's a good choice. But, oh, man. While you, you know, you have low overhead costs running a water park compared to a theme park. Admittedly, it's difficult to get the per cap benefits like you do in the theme park. But no matter what the reason may be, it's time for Disney to reinvent its water parks. I could see a completely, they redid the children's area to a Frozen theme uh, with Olaf at Blizzard Beach. I could see them redoing all of it in some kind of Frozen summer um, kind of theme. I also see that uh, Typhoon Lagoon could be rethemed to a Moana theme, and that could be really cool. Um, so something needs to happen. These are really important to the long term of the Walt Disney World Resort. It would be, it would be sad if, if this continued the way it is currently happening. Now, in summary, what are the ahas? What are the souvenirs that we talk about for you and your organization? According to Francisco Refuerzo, who's the senior analyst for Acom Economics. He said that in 2022, leisure, recreation, and attraction operators became laser focused on improving the guest experience, learning 
that they were able to achieve or surpass pre-pandemic revenues with reduced attendance level. That is true. End of quote, by the way. It, that is true. Disney has has stated that, that even though the attendance is softer, they have been more strategic, particularly with things like Genie Plus and, and other per cap increases. And, and so they have done some really strong, strong revenues. The question we'd ask for you is, are you laser focused on your customers? Are you able to see new ways in which you can improve the guest experience? Second thing I would say is loyal customers to Disney is absolutely more important than ever. And it shows in these numbers. When guests, when, when guests to Disney say, rather than four days at Disney, we're gonna do three days, maybe skip one of the parks and go over to Universal, that's bad news. That's not what a loyal guest to Disney would do. And, and Disney needs to do more to keep them. So let me ask you, how important are your customers to you? And what are you doing to keep them? Third thing I would say is it isn't enough to do another ride. The total customer experience matters. How they experience Genie Plus, how they experience a strike coming through, how they experience a lack of customer service can impact negatively um, their experience. And so you have to look at not just the customer service, do they smile, you, or do they like the ride? It's the whole enchilada. You have to look at the total customer experience. Are you looking at that total customer experience? Or are you just looking at a particular product or service which you offer? Then finally, I would say your customer tastes are becoming more sophisticated. Is your efforts to please those tastes more sophisticated? If not, you need to change that. You need to become smarter about how to provide for a better customer or guest experience. Now, Performance Journeys, we work with organizations like yours to get at the heart of what it takes to get to a great guest experience. So I just um, Today, I've been in conversations with um, a zoo up north who is looking at this very thing, their customer experience. And they ended up talking to another one of my former customers, another zoo up north. And and they had amazing results when they really got laser focused on improving the guest experience. That's what we do is to help you create that laser focus. So if that's a need you have, give us a call. We do more. Yeah, we do keynotes and speeches, but our experience isn't just giving nice talk or nice stories, though we do plenty of that. Our experience is actually changing results and getting you to the next level. And that's what we've been doing for the better part of two and a half decades is taking the experience to the next level. We've got experience. We can talk to you about organizations, whether they are in the public, private, or nonprofit arena, whether they are hospitals or government agencies or theme parks or hotels or restaurants or whatever they may be, we can help you address your customer experience. We talked the other day. If you haven't had a chance to listen uh, to our last um, previous podcast, we talked about how beautifully designed Main Street is in Disneyland Paris. 
And we t compared that to what the challenges are right now on, I said Market Street, Union Square is really what it is in San Francisco. Westfield Mall has just closed. Over 50% of retail outlets have closed. If you're just saying, well, that's because people are over the brick and mortar experience, you got it wrong. It's because you didn't deliver the brick and mortar experience to the level that created loyal customers that come in again and again. And so that's what we do with agencies and organizations and entities like yours. So call us. If that's something you want to improve, call us. We'll have a conversation. We'll just talk about what's happening and we can discuss options and possibilities for you. That's what we do at Performance Journeys. So seek us out. Finally, let me just mention um, the 72-year-old venerable, internationally respected Disney historian Jim Corcus, who's authored, oh my gosh, so many articles and dozens of books. Did you know he used to go by the name of Wade Sampson when he worked for Disney? Um, was it Wade Sampson? Yeah, I think that was his name. And he was working for Disney, but he couldn't use his real name for the Mouse Planet articles. He wrote, wrote so many great articles. He's been writing year after week after week after week for years. He's also been a guest on several of our Disney Insight podcasts. Moreover, he's been a friend for years. We talked about Typhoon Lagoon. We used to take together um, uh, organizations through Typhoon Lagoon and look at best practices in those water parks. Jim's now struggling with some pretty major medical issues and he's in need of financial support. Um, there are three ways you can support Jim. Go to GoFundMe, and by the way, all these links are at Disney Insights, so just go over there right now. Go to GoFundMe, make a direct contribution to Jim. Or second, join our Patreon group, the Wayfinder Society. No matter what level you are at, I think it goes from a dollar to $35 a month, all 2023 donations will be contributed to supporting Jim, and you're gonna get some very cool interactive tools as part of that. Or three, be among the first 100 people to do three things, and we'll make a $3 contribution to each to supporting Jim. Just subscribe to DisneyInsights.com, subscribe to Disney Insights on YouTube, join our Disney Insights Facebook group page, and share with others. Do those three things, we'll take um, $3 and move it toward Jim. We're just looking, whatever approach you want to take, just if it's a little or a lot, find a way that you might support Jim Corcus at this time. Well, that does it for this Disney Insights podcast. So many things to cover and so many more things to talk about. And yet in four days, I am heading to Alaska on Disney Cruise Line. My wife has never been more excited by a Disney vacation than this one. It's like taking a cruise ship and sailing it through Yellowstone, which is her absolute favorite place, naturally. Comes with whales, too. It's going to be so much fun. And we'll talk a little bit about what that experience is like and how you can. Um, so many. One of my great friends, uh, Sheila Ward, uh, who was with the um, Adventurers Club at Pleasure Island sent out a thing not too long ago. She said, is, is everyone going to Alaska this year? It may be, just to get out of the heat of all things. So we're going to Alaska, but we've got some other things we're covering, namely um, we got to finish out Disneyland Paris with the castle. 
and uh, Enchanted Tiki Room is celebrating, yeah, its 60th anniversary. We hope to do a podcast very soon. So stay, subscribe, stay close, and um, and join us for our Disney podcasts and posts on DisneyInsights.com. Thanks again. And in the words of Sinbad's Storybook Voyage, always follow the compass of your heart. Have a great day. We'll see you real soon.